Blog Talk Radio. insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question, ego-filled radio show, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spurlis. Well, everybody, welcome to this Wednesday program, the summer solstice, the 21st day of June, 2023. This is the longest day of the year. So enjoy it here in the Northeast. It's kind of a hazy, cloudy, chilly day here in the 60s. But wherever you are, enjoy the longest day of the year because starting tomorrow, the days get shorter. And you should notice it sometime by July where uh, it's going to be darker sooner. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports. And today we're going to be talking about those unbelievable hideous jerseys and uniforms that professional sports has kind of uh, shown us over the last couple of years. Uh, But before we get to that, I wanted to uh, continue a segment that we started a few months ago, and that is um, Ask Sportsbeat. And so uh, we wanted to uh, have you uh, write in and uh, your sports questions, and we try to answer those uh, as best we can. And uh, Eduardo actually writes from Mexico, And um, he writes, when was the first NFL championship game played? And, you know, it's interesting because if you ask Alexa, uh, she will tell you, or whatever voice it is, they'll usually say Super Bowl I, which is 1967, but uh, the Internet is not always correct. The actual start of the NFL was 1920, Eduardo, and uh, that was the year, first year of the league. It was not called the NFL then, uh, did not become uh, the NFL until 1922. So uh, it was interesting because in 1920, uh, the Akron Pros, and uh, they were a charter member of the NFL then, uh, won uh, the championship without playing a championship game. And the reason for that is that they um, finished first. They didn't really keep records in those days. And the owners got together, basically. They were, uh, the pros were 8-0-3. And, and uh, they were champions voted, really, by the owners in those days. And so the first, really, 13 years of the league, they didn't have a championship game. They just uh, gave it to whomever won uh, whoever had the best record and finished first place. And that all changed. Now, a lot of people think it was 1933, but it was actually 32 
that the first game was played, and it was between the Bears and the Portsmouth Spartans, another team uh, that was an original team. Uh, it couldn't be resolved. They had a first-place tie by the typical win-loss system. So to settle the tie, they played a uh, playoff game. Chicago won the game and the championship. And then the following year, in '33, they uh, the NFL split to two uh, divisions, and of course that made it easier. So the Akron Pros were the first. Just to let you know, in 20, 1921, it was the Chicago Staleys that was the precursor to the Chicago. Uh, Bears, the only two surviving teams from 1920 are the Bears. They were called the Decatur Staleys at the time, uh, representing a starch company. And the uh, Arizona Cardinals, who uh, even predate the Bears, the Cardinals started way back in the late 1800s as the Racine Cardinals. They were an athletic club. Uh, you either worked for a factory then and played for a factory team, or you're part of an athletic club. So in 1922, 23, uh, the Canton Bulldogs. Uh, won, and then 24, the Cleveland uh, Bulldogs won. In 25, the Cardinals won. In 26, the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, which was the precursor to the uh, Eagles. In 27, the Giants won. In 28, the Providence Steamroller won. And then the Packers had their way, 29-30-31. And then um, in 32, the Bears won. Uh, The runner-up was the uh, Green Bay Packers. So the first game, the first actual noted game was played uh, way back in 1933, December 17th. There were 25,000 people, and the Chicago Bears beat the New York Giants at Wrigley Field uh, by a score of 23-21, to and that was uh, how it uh, went. The Giants won the next year uh, in 34, and then they lost to the Lions in 35. And uh, so that's kind of a look at uh, what happened. But in the NFL, they did not play championship football games until really 1932. And it was really 33. They wouldn't have played it in 32 had it not been tied. So hopefully that answers the question. Uh, Thanks, Eduardo, for your uh, feedback. By the way, Mexico has been a destination. Mexico City has been a destination for uh, NFL games over the past few years and and, in the NFL's effort to expand the league, and that's only a matter of time. Probably the uh, Jacksonville Jags will be the team that maybe goes to London. Who knows? But today we're talking about uh, the uniforms of teams. And, you know, when – when I grew up it was back in the 60s and even before then, it was pretty much, uh, you know, drab. I mean, you had gray uh, baseball players had uh, gray uniforms on the road. They were made of flannel. Before that, they were made of wool. Now they're made of uh, wick uh, material that absolutely uh, absorbs the perspiration and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, home was dark colors and road was uh, white colors. And then the NFL, uh, you know, went to um, uh, some of the teams, the Dallas Cowboys, the Rams, and the Cleveland Browns all wear white at home. Most of the time they wore white unless they played each other. And then the National Hockey League, you know, back, I believe, in the 70s, they uh, went to a stint where they went white at home. So did the NBA in an effort to show the – 
jerseys and sweaters, as they call them in the NHL, uh, of the other teams. And so that lasted a, a while. And now you have a, really a conglomeration of everything. I mean, the NBA has so many uniforms, it's hard to keep track. One of the uh, people had had wrote us uh, not long ago in, in our question and asked, uh, how do they know what uniforms to wear? The captain of the team actually picks the uniform. And then they have to send notice to the visiting team uh, what uniform they'll wear. They have the choice of wearing the dark or the white. Most most teams wear uh, dark at home. But anyway, uh, looking at it, you know, we, we go way back to the 1933 Pittsburgh uh, pirates who were the Steelers. Uh, they had that uh, interesting uniform uh, with all the stripes in it. If you remember Ben Roethlisberger, uh, they the Steelers have retired that. They call them the Bumblebee jerseys with the huge number on the front and the and the uh, yellow jersey with the uh, stripes now. Now the Bears also had a jersey uh, where they had uh, stripes, vertical stripes, and actually what they were was. Uh, strips of leather. It wasn't striping, really. It was strips of leather that was sewn into the jersey so that they could carry the football better, not fumble it, because in those days it was really um, mostly a running game. There wasn't much passing at all. And so to secure the ball, they didn't have numbers, a lot of them, and numbers didn't come into the play until later. Mainly it was the brainchild of uh, actually Alonzo Stagg, who felt that numbers should be able to identify uh, the players, so we would know who they are, particularly if you're sitting far away. And now it's a you know pretty much of a constant. And then uh, in the AFL back in the '60s, they were the first to use names on the back of the jerseys. If you look at the NFL, uh, I believe in Super Bowl one and two, the Green Bay Packers didn't have names on the back of their jerseys. The NFL was always late, later to uh, to innovate. But then, you know, we look at the uh, early 70s Oakland A's and Charlie Finley with uh, coming out with what he uh, showed the world in sports with the different colors that the Oakland A's wore. They had all kinds of combinations. They had green uniforms, they had yellow uniforms. They had what they called polar white that they wore on Sunday. They could wear a green jersey with yellow pants. They could wear... Uh, a uh, yellow jersey with green pants. They had all kinds of, and they wore white shoes and uh, gold, uh, yellow socks. And they were really uh, an innovator. Uh, Charlie Finley did the same thing with the Seals. He owned the Oakland Seals for a while and put them, believe it or not, in white skates. Uh, you know, you talk about hockey player wearing white skates. Hockey players are probably amongst the toughest players on the planet in sport. And uh, somehow, I'm not sure how that registered with players, but they wore them. And uh, so it kind of divides from there. If you remember Bill Veck, who was kind of a centric owner of the White Sox, he brought the White Sox out with uh, turn-of-the-century uniforms with the big collar, uh, you know, on the jersey, and they had shorts on, and you can kind of Google that and look at that back at the 70s. So, you know, bizarreness in sports is not something new. Uh, the Houston Astros, uh, way back uh, probably 30, 40 years ago, had those multicolored jerseys that had Astros written on the front. Nolan Ryan had pitched then for them. and um, So, uh, you know, what is the story? Well, we know why there's so many jerseys now. I mean, if you look at 
classic sports network, those of you who get that on cable, that run some of the games of uh, yesteryear. You, if you look in the crowd, you'll see everybody you know, from the 60s. Nobody's wearing any kind of jerseys. They're all in suits. The men have suits and ties, sunglasses on, hats, women in dresses. Uh, and that's because most people came from church uh, to those games to see their home team. And you didn't really see uh, coaches. They all had ties on, and, you know, some of them wore football shoes like uh, Vince Lombardi and George Allen, some of those guys, uh, you know, uh, George Hallis. So you started to see it later, and teams started to uh, sell more apparel. And, of course, uh, the world has always been about money. You know, we have always said that here on Sportsbeat, that money bastardizes everyone. And in some ways, that's why they played the first championship game in 1933, because the uh, owners decided that they could make money. You know, we had 26,000 fans in Wrigley Field for that first game between the Giants and the uh, Bears. And we could sell advertising, and we could do this, and we could do that. And so... Uh, it made money just like it does now, and that's why there's so many jerseys. It isn't because the players want it. It's because it sells. And so, you know, you buy your uh, home Miami Heat jersey, and then you buy the road Miami jersey, and then you buy a alternate Miami jersey. Then you have a Miami jersey that has different colored numbers and letters. Uh, it's, it's, each team has an array of uniforms, and that's really why and uh, why it continues and how it started because of money. They sell and get a cut of everything they sell. Every uh, team that sells their uniform jerseys uh, gets a gets a cut from that. And so, why not have 15 jerseys instead of two? Now, there's still you know some tradition left. The Yankees. For the most part, they're supposed to be getting new jerseys next year, which should be interesting. Montreal Canadiens, you know, you look at them, they've had blue uniforms. I mean, what's that about? The Phoenix Suns, purple and orange, well, they have blue uniforms as well, which is ugly. You know, we look at uh, a lot of these uh, uh, uniforms, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the situation with the uniforms and uh, the situation with 15 ugliest uniforms in sports history. So, you know, pl- plenty of people wear ugly uniforms, Little League squads, sports disgusting maroon T-shirts sponsored by Ace Hardware or your rec league softball fluorescent green. Professional sports teams, on the other hand, really don't have an excuse. They have enough money to hire fashion experts to create something cool and unembarrassing to wear, and yet surprising amount of teams take the field court or rink wearing outfits with more clashing colors than a kaleidoscope. Losing its tough, but taking the baseball field wearing shorts might be worse. So get ready to see some jerseys that will make you want to reach for your handy-dandy eye bleach. And so here we go. One of them, the Oregon Ducks. They can be seen from absolute outer space. Uh, the green socked unis are the worst uniforms Oregon has to offer. In '77, called they went, uh, they want their neon back. While the Oregon uniforms are popular in a lot of circles, they are busy, unmatched messes. And the wings on the shoulder pads are tacky, and those socks are inexcusable. 
the Phoenix Coyotes, when they were called the Phoenix Coyotes back in 2003 to the present, they committed 14. No wonder they have attendance issues. This is a team that may not be around much longer in Arizona, but the, the Coyote on the front of the jersey looks like it's yawning, which is not the fiercest thing a Coyote has ever done, and the solid red uniforms are uninspired. In an expansion-era hockey team can't go for the traditional hockey uniform look simply because there is nothing vintage about them. Then the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, you know, we're not going to put down the uniform because it's probably one of the uh, most classic uniforms in sports. That winged P on the front of the jersey is real classic. But what about those pants that they wore in 81 and 83? Hockey pants do make a least a little sense, but a team as rich with tradition as the Flyers can't radically change their uniforms like that. Hockey players wear shorts, and that's the bottom line. Those pants just look ridiculous, and they didn't last too long. And uh, at 12, you have Slovenia, the World Cup, Charlie Brown jerseys, if you remember those, those green, ugly things. The green on green jersey with the EKG line in the center appears lazy. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, they call them the Charlie Brown uh, jerseys. And if you remember, Charlie Brown wasn't the most athletic person in the world. And the Houston Astros, and we mentioned them earlier, uh, that was uh, back in 75 through 79, and they called those the orange rainbow uniforms. Those colors have been used by every fast food chain in the country, and they're baseball players, not Burger King employees. So the vintage Astros uniforms has become popular in some circles, but where are the buttons? Baseball uniforms are supposed to have buttons. Well, at least that's what they've always had. Those were pullovers. And still, that's a hot-selling jersey. Uh, in some ways, the color of that jersey kind of reminds me of the gay uh, colors of the gay flag, of the uh, LGBTQ flag, if you look at it. Philadelphia Eagles, 1933 uniforms. Brought back from one game. I saw that game, I believe it was against Detroit, 2007, when they were the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. Uh, throwback uniform trend thing that sports teams are doing needs to stop in some ways. And here's really Exhibit A. The Eagles have a great forest green uniforms. There's nothing Philadelphia Eagles about the yellow and blue Frankfurt jerseys. Quebec Nordiques never once had a good uniform, although their uniform, uh, I believe the Nordiques became the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they had the fleur-de-lis around the bottom, similar to the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, Flair de Lee on their helmet. Uh, they had a massive identity crisis. Their logo looks eerily similar to the GOP elephant. And it's supposed to be an N, or is it a pachyderm? Who knows what it is on that jersey. The Denver Nuggets rainbows, kind of like the uh, situation with the Astros. 81 to 93, they wore them for quite a while. And if these jerseys had double rainbows instead, there would be no issue. Instead, the uniform looks like what used to happen when you left your TV on too long at night, just kind of a blur of lines. Then you had, if you remember, 1988-2004, coming in at 7, Jorge Campos, the goalie kicked. These are the uh, goalie jerseys, jerseys, uh, as you know, in sports, uh, soccer, are different color uh, than the regular uniform uh, to identify the goaltending. So strikers intentionally aimed at Campos more than any other goalie in history. He designed the jersey himself. It was all kinds of uh, different designs, triangles, pink, yellow, blue, uh, you name it, it had it. 
Uh, he designed himself, but he had absolutely no regard for basic fashion in law. The Toronto Raptors pinstripe jersey. That was 95-99. That was when they had the big Raptor on there bouncing a basketball. You wonder if Nickelodeon designed these things or not. Toronto somehow made the Raptor look like a harmless animal. Plus, the logo was way too big on the jersey. Uh, it said Raptors on the top and the number in it. And they do wear them from time to time. Fifth was the San Diego Padres yellow and brown. That was a just a terrible-looking uniform. That was only a, about a year or two, 72-73. Uh, similar to the uh, Denver Broncos colors of mustard yellow and brown, where they got their uniforms from the Copper Bowl, uh, defunct uh, bowl game back in Arizona. So at least if any Padre wanted a hot dog before the game, they wouldn't need to worry about the mustard stain. Solid yellow uniforms are simply just awful, terrible. Vancouver Canucks, if you remember that, the V-necks, that was one of the worst uniforms I think I've ever seen. 78 to 85, they wore them for quite a while. They had that big V. It was orange and then yellow. And what's up with the colors uh, being popular in the 70s? The Canucks players looked like really pathetic superheroes in these get-ups. This was a failed attempt at being intimidating. And the V and the V-neck apparently stood for victory. But we think that sounds uh, kind of preserved. John Daly's golf clothes are all terrible. If you remember him, John Daly, 87 to the present, he wore like plaid, uh, psychedelic pants. Either Daly is the most ironic dude in the world or he rolls around in his closet with lights off and leaves with whatever sticks uh, to him. Seriously, how much effort does he put in? You have to look at some of John Daly's uh, apparel. The White Sox, we brought those up earlier. Number two, wore shorts on August 8, 1976. They had uh, blue shorts with white jerseys and kind of uh, western font uh, numbers, uh, big collars like they did on the third of the century in baseball, and the uh, baseball socks. So if people who try out for baseball teams get kicked out immediately for showing up on the field with shorts, you wonder how on earth did a baseball team with a history dating back to the late 19th century get away with this? How on earth are you supposed to slide in these things? That was a Bill Veck uh, invention. And then um, not that it was a bad uniform, but number one goes to the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, they wore denim uniforms in 1996. They were actually made of blue jeans. And this is a sheer lack of thought here. It's impressive. Why didn't the Wildcats just put on work boots and complete the set? Jeans and basketball really don't mix. And have you ever tried to play basketball in jeans? It's a good way to ruin them. And then you had jerseys that weren't eyesores. The Denver Broncos, they've had their uniforms since 96. Uh, the new owner of the Broncos is talking about a uniform change. I believe they've had them since Elway was there. Uh, you know, there's um, the uh, 25 best-selling jerseys. Uh, number 43, uh, Troy Palomalu's jersey was the top-selling jersey at one point. Uh, you know, uh, there was the Cowboys lead the way with uh, their players uh, when Romo was there, Jason Witten. Uh, the Steelers, Packers, and four other teams have two players on the list. Uh, Fifteen of the 25 players playing for winning teams in 2010. Uh, the worst record for a team with a player among the top 25 is the Broncos, uh, followed by the Falcons. Uh, these are all players who... Uh, basically, uh, you know, had uh, uh, uniform sales. Now, the sales go kind of like this, and this is not a current list, but this is the way it went. Troy Palomaro was first in his jersey. 
Drew Brees, followed by Tim Tebow when he played, Peyton Manning of the Colts when he played for the Colts, Brady of the Patriots, Michael Vick when he came back as an Eagle, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Deshaun Jackson, Mark Sanchez, Tony Romo, Brett Favre, Miles Austin, Adrian Peterson, Clay Matthews, Philip Rivers, Chris Johnson, Ray Lewis, Wes Walker, Donovan McNabb, Jason Witten, Peyton Hillis, LaDamian Tomlinson, Larry Fitzgerald, and Heinz Ward. Those were the top-selling jerseys uh, of of that uh, time back probably, you know, many years ago. But it was uh, kind of an interesting situation with jerseys. Jerseys, uh, uniforms to me, uh, really show the identity of a team. And at some point, almost all the teams have changed their uniforms uh, you know, we look at the Montreal Canadiens. They've basically stayed with that same design, but then, yet they went to a blue uniform, which looks goofy looking. Um, you look at the New York Yankees, who've always had a, a traditional NY with the pinstripes and then kind of a drab uh, road jersey with New York on it. Uh, there's talk next year about them uh, having another jersey, whether it's going to be an alternate, which I think it is. Uh, we do see their alternate uh, in training camp, they wear a blue, navy blue jersey with NY on it and the numbers. Um, but I've always felt that uniforms give stature to a team. I was never a Boston Celtics fan, but I always admired the the franchise, you know, for their 11 championships and the great players that they've had and the great greatness of the franchise. And that uniform was always iconic, you know, that green Celtics uniform trimmed with white with the white Celtics written across the chest and then vice versa on the, the road jersey with the green Celtics. And now they've got, you know, Celtics in script and they've got Beantown written on jerseys. And I think you lose your identity. One of the ugliest, certainly, and you've seen that uh, just over uh, the weekend when the Boston Red Sox played uh, up at uh, Fenway against the Yankees. They had yellow jerseys on and yellow socks. I don't know how that even goes with anything of the franchise it was hideous looking and where is the tradition and it's clearly you know a matter of uh, doing it to make money I don't know who would buy it but I guess there's somebody that would buy it and that's why they do it Uh, you know you have uh, that ugly uniform now that the uh, Houston Astros have we talked about their rainbow jersey now they have one that says space city on the front it looks like uh, it looks like pajamas says Space City on the front. I mean, you know, sports is getting to me more bizarre. Now, I'm not against change, but I mean, you know, uh, uniforms speak volumes for the teams that they uh, that wear them. And uh, even minor league teams change their uniforms quite often who really don't make as much money at it as some of the pro teams uh, and that, you know, endorse these things. So, I'm sure that, you know, there's people that will disagree, uh, you know, when we said that, uh, you know, the Space City uniform for Houston is ugly. There's probably people in Houston that like it. But, you know, where's the tradition really in it? You know, traditional teams like Montreal, traditional teams like the Lakers, traditional teams like the New York Yankees, and in some ways, the Mets. The Mets have had really the same uniform for quite a while. Now they have different colored jerseys, blue jerseys and so forth. When Seaver played and Kuzman and all those guys back in the early days, um, 
they had, you know, basically just the white and the gray. But their uniform hasn't really changed that much. There's tradition to some of the teams. And the madness of some of these teams, you know, Boston wearing these gaudy, ugly yellow things and, and uh, you know, Houston wearing their Space City uniforms. I mean, you know, I understand Houston is, you know, uh, a uh, place for NASA and so forth, and, it, you know, I guess that represents it. But there's just something watching a team that says Space City on the jersey. I feel like it's coming from uh, – you know, another planet or something or some show, some uh, uh, high, you know, sci-fi show. Who knows? So anyway, that's kind of a look at, uh, you know, some of the uniforms of the day. Thought you would uh, kind of be interested in that. We thank you for joining us. And, of course, I'm sure you have your opinions on it. Uh, didn't mean to put you down, uh, those people who uh, represent those teams who have those ugly uniforms. Uh, but, uh, you know, to me, they're, uh, they're something to behold. I mean, that's just, you know, when I see the Boston Red Sox coming out with yellow jerseys that's in blue uh, that say Boston on the front, you sometimes you wonder, sometimes I have to wonder who's even playing. I see the Yankees, and I'm saying, who's this other team? And then, of course, when you see the jersey or it says Boston, you realize it's the Red Sox. Well, anyway, that's the way it goes. That's the way the world is, I guess. Not much you can do about it as the change takes place. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Be safe. Enjoy your day.